what's going on, travelers? It's Ricky Venters and Marlon Madden, and we are back with you for another episode of the Success Journey Show. What's going on, everyone? What's going on? Marlon, what's good, bro? How you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Yes. Um, just relaxing. Uh, I don't know if you saw the... There was this... You know, it's funny. I was playing ball today, and I had to assure this girl that I that if she beat me, I wasn't going to kill her. And I don't know if you saw what happened. No. I don't remember what state it was, but over the weekend, of two friends, a guy and a girl, were playing basketball in a park, and the girl beat the guy. So everybody was naturally, you know, ragging on the guy. He went home, got his gun, came back and shot her, killed her. I think he shot her five times. What? What? Life, life is not being... I don't know. I don't know what, what where we are in being real or what it is, or I don't know what, it, what, what the mentality of our of people right now, but it's scary to think that somebody just thinks like, ah, I'll just shoot you because you beat me in a basketball game and everybody's making fun of me. If I shoot you, it should fix everything. Man, that's like. You go to jail, people ask you what you in for. You're like, yeah, I lost exactly. I lost a basketball game, so I uh shot somebody. You don't even have to tell them. They already have your paperwork before you get there. Yeah. And they put you in a certain category and things will happen to you. Man, dude, that is crazy, man. That is crazy. Yeah, dude, we living in a crazy world, bro. It's um I mean, we live in a crazy world, but it's one of those things where I'm trying to phrase this the right way. I'm trying to say it the right, right, right. Cause I didn't know, I didn't know that that happened. I didn't know that happened um, because I wasn't tuned in. Right. And I know there's a whole bunch of things that are happening, but it's like, Max myself the question, like, what are you tuned into? Right. Yeah. Um, there's one thing to be aware of what's going on, but then there's another thing to be, you know, what are you tuned into, right? Like, yeah, I'll be having some conversation with certain people and they're talking about this and that. And I'm like, yo, dude, I don't even know. I'm not even, and we were talking about it before, like, I'm not even, I don't even understand what the heck you're talking about. I don't know what's going on in that world. I don't know what's, what's happening because I'm just not tuned in. And those people that, that have that mindset where I'm gonna go get a gun, and and because someone didn't treat me right, like what are they tuned into? You know what I mean? Like what what are you tuned into every day that's causing you to feel like you can respond to uh, a, a situation and resolve it that way? All right, right. it's a yeah. We the, the, it's it's funny. I have a lot. I have a lot. Uh, you know, but I don't want to take up people's time because I know we're gonna have our thing. But I have a lot. It's it, it, we we just. Some of the things that we hold that we hold is stupid. Like in terms of what's gangster and what's true to the street and true being true to it, it, it's just so stupid, bro. Like I'm like yeah. I can't picture myself checking like like this check-in thing that I've been hearing everybody talk about. Like I'm gonna check into somebody that in a city that you don't own nothing in the city. <laughs> Because you don't want me to come into your city, but you yeah. own absolutely nothing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then somebody else is like, "Yo, this is real, bro. This is like I saw. You don't, you don't tell Garth Brooks to check in when Garth Brooks comes to LA. No. Celine Dion doesn't check in to nobody, and nothing happens to her. Yeah, 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 yeah. Guns and Roses does a does a something in LA. They go to LA and they leave. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't say nothing to them. Yeah. But somebody else coming into the like yourself, you want them to check in. <laughs> what we hold, the priorities that we hold, and 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 like you said, I just, it's what you're taking in. I sit back and I just laugh because when you're telling somebody that these things are are frivolous and stupid. They look at you and tell you, 
you're lost, you're out of touch with reality and all this stuff. But then when you see all this stuff that's happening, then they want you to, to say, they, they want to sit down and have a round table like, yo, what's going on? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, dude, man, I don't know what kind of, I don't know if what kind of space I'm in, but I've been so removed and unbothered, right? I've been removed and unbothered to where, man, there's people that I'll go out of my way to like check in on, do this on, do this on. I'm just like, like why, why am I spending so much time in that, in that, in that, in that space of, you know, trying to, you know, you overexert yourself Yeah, keep a relationship with them. And build a relationship, and it's just not... They don't want... Yeah. They don't want it. They don't want it. They don't want it? Go your way. I'll go mine. Exactly. Exactly. There are... um, Yeah, I mean, we can go on on and on about it, but I'm I'm not going to take you guys there, man, because we got a phenomenal guest that's going to come on. Yeah, phenomenal. We're going to talk about this aspect of even relationships, checking in, all this kind of stuff, and... um, just where he's been. He's done some amazing thing. Um, and so we're going to jump to him uh, right now. So guys, uh, stay tuned. Welcome to the Success Journey Show. Let's travel together through the lives of individuals on the road to success. All right, travelers, we are back. We are back. We have a phenomenal guest with us. Don Bunnell, uh, I'll make sure I pronounce that right, Don Bunnell, uh, he is here with us and we're excited just to have him share a little bit about his story, uh, his journey. Um, I, as you start hearing his story, um, you will see I'm, I'm really excited about it because I'm connected to it in a lot of different ways uh, from previous roles that I've been a part of, previous uh, s- circles of people that I've been a part of. Um, and I'm just really excited to hear how his journey went through it and also what he's doing now today. So Don, what's up, man? Thanks for joining us, um, at the success journey show. How are you today? I'm good. And thanks for having me on guys. I appreciate it. Oh, Oh, no, our pleasure. So, so Don, start off by just sharing with our travelers, um, a little bit about yourself. Um, sure. I mean, I'll just talk kind of about my career. I, um, was a history and poli sci major in college. Um, and the only thing you can do with that is either teach or go to grad school. So I <laughs> ended up going to law school, not because I really wanted to be a lawyer, it was because I didn't know what else to do. So I um, went to law school uh, in your neck of the woods in uh, Virginia and uh, nice. graduated. And um, when I was in law school, studied Chinese because I was interested in kind of the Far East and um, moved to Hong Kong right after I graduated and got my first job as a lawyer. Um, out of law school and um, figured out really quickly that I was the world's worst lawyer uh, and <laughs> did what I was doing. I didn't like being behind the desk, kind of writing all the time. And um, that was so I was in Hong Kong uh, for that that first year out of law school and then got an opportunity to get into the power business in Beijing. So I moved to mainland China um, and was uh, there for 17 years, uh, the first six years of the couple big uh, Houston-based energy companies, a little one called Enron that you may have heard of. Yep. Uh, (laughs) And uh, that was, but that was, you know, it was a fantastic experience. And there's a lot of not great things that came out of Enron, but it was a fantastic group of people. And I learned tons. There were some really smart Mm -hmm. people at the company. So um, I always think of that as a career highlight for myself. A lot of people kind of cringe when I say Enron, but anyway, it's a great experience. And I learned a lot, Um, but that was, when I was at Enron, I was working on a, a, a kind of a clean energy project and learned a lot from that. And um, after the bankruptcy, um, went to a mining company, BHP Billiton, which is an Australian largest mining company in the world based in Australia. Um, but it was just really bored after my Enron career because it's just, it was very kind of slow, kind of stayed company. Yeah. <laughs> and it, uh, you know, after the Enron experience of being, you know, kind of just working really, really hard and going really, really fast, that felt slow and boring. So I started thinking about an entrepreneurial journey um, and took some of the experiences I had at Enron in the clean energy space 
and decided to start a company. Um, and as how, one how, of the, old, how old were you at this point? Ooh, I was going to interject. Good question. <laughs> oh, we're going way back in time. I think I was probably in my early 30s at the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, okay. But when I was at Enron, I had kind of discovered with me and my co-founder, I discovered this technology that was sitting on a shelf in a research lab in Chicago. We, we decided to start a company around it. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a technology essentially for converting coal into clean energy, hydrogen and CO for power production and chemi chemicals production. Um, so I spent 10 years of my life building that company. We started in China. We ended up um, basing it in Houston. Mm. Um, we listed it on the NASDAQ in, in June of 2008, right before the financial uh -huh. crisis. So had yep. we tried to list three months later, it would have never happened, but we raised $100 million, listed on the NASDAQ. Um, and um, that was 10 like really rewarding and 10 of the most difficult years of my life just because taking a startup from an idea to that level is um, tons of work and um, you have to deal with a lot of investors and investors expect a lot. And, um, and also just trying to run everything. You know, China is a difficult place to run a business in. I was going to ask you that. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, there was just uh, tons of learnings and experiences and heartache as, as, as part of all of that. Um, but, you know, I had always wanted to be an architect. <laughs> <laughs> and uh so after 10 years of working my ass off on the same thing i was like i'm gonna go do what i really want to do so i stayed on the board of that company but um moved to australia to study architecture yeah. and uh spent a year at the university of sydney and figured out in my early 40s that i was too old and too stubborn to be a student again <laughs> <laughs> so i went back did some uh did some uh consulting for my old company but i stayed in sydney um and um and then, and then finally decided to come back to the United States after being gone for 20 years. Um, wow. And um, I was still interested kind of in building and, um, but it, you know, I just didn't want to, I decided in like five years of getting an architecture degree. It was just not something I wanted to do. So I had an idea around kind of modular housing and um, moved to Seattle and started a company here called Node. Um, and what we're trying to do is basically sustainable home building. Um, yeah. And the, the whole idea being that um, the biggest cost and kind of the biggest headache in home building right now is labor. So we're trying to basically put together kind of this kit of parts. So um, people without expertise in building could actually put homes together. And that mm. is still an idea that's being worked on. So I spent six years working on that. We ended, we ended up merging with a larger construction company last October. So it's been about a year ago now. Oh, wow. um, and when we merged with that new company, my co-founder became the co-CEO of that company. I decided to step off and uh, join the, just, just be on the board of the company, but you kind of resign my executive position because I'm a zero to one guy. I like starting things, Yeah. Um, but I get bored after a while. Once you've got to an operation, you know, the, the company has what, 50, 75 people now. It's big enough that it doesn't need me anymore. So I was happy, yeah. to, happy to step out and do something else. And then um, I started a new venture um, that's uh, called the Swank Guide. That <laughs> is a complete departure from anything I've ever done in my life. But it's basically a YouTube channel. And I try to help people find kind of really cool boutique hotels and oh. um, take them through the hotel experience and just like, you know, if you're going to Tulum, I can tell you the best hotels to stay in and show you what it's really like. And I just, oh, I did that nice. because I love great design and great hotels. But I also think there's a huge hole in the travel industry of like just really dishonest information. I was like, how do you tell people? Oh my goodness. What a real, like show, not just tell people. That, that's the other problem is that so much of the travel industry, it's like it's written or it's a blog or, you know, it's um, it's uh, a website, but you can't really know what a hotel is going to be like unless you see it on video. Yeah. Um, so I was like, there should be video tours of hotels. So that's what that's what I'm going to do. So that's my newest venture. It's the Swank Guide. It's on YouTube, S-W-A-N-K-G-U-I-D-E. And then our website is swankguide.com. So that's what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to pair you up with one of my boys he's doing he's working in the travel he's going to be happy when he watches this because he thought the same thing like you well he he said like he was in i forgot what country he was in 
And he was just, he said he went on a local app there and he was just like, hey, listen, is there anybody that wants to share X? Tomorrow I'm going up to this location. And he said he met two people. They went and then from there they built, he was doing that at different places and he understood just like what you're saying. Like you can't get somebody in the travel industry a lot of stuff is, you know, but nobody's going to show like, oh, my hotel really sucks. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to show you the best picture and yeah. then, or the picture, like when it was first um, yep. constructed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and <Right>. then, <laughs> Not even a rendering. You're going to show a rendering. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Don, man. So I was getting my, my hair, my arm, my forearms were standing up as you were speaking. I don't have much yeah. hair on my forearms, but it's definitely... <laughs> Standing up, the little that I have. I yeah, you got, Marlon has a lot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is this on video? Hey, man, compensate for the top of my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah, because very similar in the sense of, and when you said I'm a zero to one guy, right? You know, a lot of people, some people don't, can't don't resonate with that right mm. it, it's it's a what do you mean a zero to one person like you know you're supposed to be somewhere and you're supposed to you know stay there and do this and that and uh, why is don hopping around so much what is don doing now <laughs> you know right um it, it, it resonates so much with me in a sense that you know you like being part of like development and building when was there ever a time in your life where you kind of before you realized that and sat in, hey, this is who I am. This is how I'm going mm. to to make my moves in this world. This is how I'm going to put my stamp. Because realizing I am that zero to one guy, and I'm okay with making the shifts and making the pivots. Because it's a, it's against what the norm of what many people are taught or mm. people, the way people live in life as 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 in a society that we are today. Yeah, I mean, great question, and and um, it's like really on point because when I was thinking, it was you know about two years ago, I was starting to think about leaving this you know startup that I had founded and having tons of angst and guilt around the idea of leaving because my co-founder, um, who is the co-CEO of the merged company now, um, is just such a wonderful person. And I didn't want to let them down. Um, and I mm. felt, yeah, I really felt bad about it, to be honest with you. Um, and I felt like I was quitting. I felt like I was giving up too early. And I went through this, this um, I don't know how to describe it, but I went through this program um, with this kind of spiritual guru guy. and he helped me realize that I think one of my gifts is starting something, you know, and I've mm-hmm. got, I've, you know, gosh, it sounds really, sounds conceited, but you know, I, I'm a futurist and I like to think about things that can be, and I'm really good at like taking an, I just a very kind of nebulous concept and making it concrete and getting the team and putting those pieces in place but then I get bored. Um, yeah. I felt really bad about that. I felt like I was letting people down. I felt like I was giving up. And and he helped me realize that that actually is one of my gifts. And there's people who are horrible at starting something and can't see that, but they're great operational people. And you yeah. both, you know, companies have different stages of life and they've got to be born and they've got, they've got to start somewhere. And then it's time for somebody else to come in and run it. And I think that's one of the big problems with startups. I think so many founders are so wed and so like their identity is all caught up like in the company that they started. They don't know when it's time to back back away and let somebody Mm -hmm. else come in and run it. And maybe there's the exceptional entrepreneur that can like take it from zero to one and then take it from one to two and two to three. But most people who are good at zero to one are not good at one to two. And (laughs) You know, if you're a COO type, you're probably not great at starting something from zero, right? Um, So it just kind of depends on who you are. And there's like different people have different talents. And um, I realize I'm not, I am not an operational person. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Man, have you ever, have you come up with a name for that yet, man? Because I'm, I'm really trying to find a name (laughs) for that because people, like you said, people 
who don't necessarily understand it. And and I appreciate the wisdom of the the, the spiritual guru that you that you were speaking with because that's not the response that you get from everyone. And most people people are still trying to figure that part out. As in, you're you're fighting that quit quitter mentality. Oh, he just quits. But it's like no. I don't, I don't quit. The things that I build are amazing. Like I'm, I'm a builder. I build things like, right. and, and then I move on to the next thing and mm-hmm. I'm ready to build that thing. So man, it's, it, that definitely resonated with me as you're talking about your journey. But when you, uh, for the people that don't understand what it's like, right. To, you know, find something or build it up and, and shift that feeling. Can you just walk them through just even maybe one of the pivots of your uh, of your transitions of like what starts coming to mind like is it is it something in an environment you just wake up one day or is it just something that changes or whatever it may be that causes you to say you know what I I think something's gonna be I think something I think I'm nearing the end or <laughs> something else I need to start exploring. Hmm. Yeah, it's been. You know, when my first startup, it was 10 years and there wasn't a lot of guilt around that because I was like, 10 years is a long time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I was also working with some really difficult people. And <laughs> uh, and that was like, I felt good walking away from that, to be honest with you, because it was just like, I don't want to be around those people anymore. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, with like with my second startup with uh, with Node, it was... Yeah, just the opposite because I love the people and I really cared for them. And um, but I think you were asking about like, there was no like, you don't, I never woke up one day and said, okay, I'm ready for a change. It's gradual. You start to realize that you're getting burned out. You realize that you need to change. But that's typically a very, for me, it's always been a very gradual thing. Gotcha. Um, and I spent a lot of time thinking about it. So I'm not the kind of person that does I don't know. I was going to say I'm not the kind of person that makes rash moves, but that's not true because if you don't make kind of rash, kind of naive views of moves, sometimes it's hard to be an entrepreneur. Correct. In fact, I think to be an entrepreneur, you have to be a bit naive. I think you have to be optimistic and believe almost anything's possible. And it's like yeah. I can say with everything I've ever done, um, and I, I you know I skipped over. I spent a couple of years in the nonprofit world as well. Everything I've ever done in the entrepreneurial world has been so much harder than I ever thought it would be. And had I known, I'm not sure I would have ever gotten started. <laughs> but, but then, but then the gratification that you got from it, though, because think of uh, uh, well, I, I, I'll preface like this because I saw you look up. So mm. you're you're, I, you're way you're you're under you're under beam right now, and you're seeing which way to go. But think about like when you're at Enron, right? Mm. And I know yeah. you said you know. Beginning was nice, but 2008, 2007, 2008, it was <laughs> one morning, it just changed your whole life. But um, that compared to the entrepreneurial um, uh, 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 um, ventures that you've been on, how do you weigh those? What do you, what do you say made you, of course, everything makes you, but what, 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 what would you grasp onto more or what, what would you hold onto more? based off of um, where you, what, um, your hindsight right now. I mean, I think you're right that like an entrepreneur, an entre- entrepreneurial journey is tends to be much more rewarding at the end of the day because you've built something, but it's also a roller coaster. So it you is. Know, in the corporate world, things tend to be more steady though. Enron was a bit of a crazy place, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, it's like going to a mining company after that, that was yeah. like very steady and, but I was bored. Um, so I guess I will take the the I prefer I, I prefer the roller coaster and the lows can be pretty low and the highs are pretty high. Um, yeah, but I'll take that I guess over just kind of the steady stream. Um, but some people are more you know my my husband is an accountant and he's got he works for a big company and he likes that and yeah, yeah, um, yeah, that's like, cool yeah, you know yeah, it's yeah. like we're and that's why we're together we're very different yeah yeah i was gonna say i was gonna say i don't know if you're gonna chase speed rick but i was gonna say i wanted to you said for 10 years you're working at that company i know uh, that's all the startup that you did and i know you say you're living in 
in um, Beijing at that time, correct? Uh, Beijing and Shanghai, yep. And Shanghai. Okay, yep. so I really want you to give people an understanding. First of all, I want to know how did you, you created the bit, you were working there and you created the business here or did you create the business there? Yeah, we started the business. So I, I co-founded the company with one uh, engineer at Enron. Um, uh, he was he was not at Enron at the time. We were both we had worked together very closely on a project together at Enron. One of the smartest people I've ever met. Um, and um, he was in Houston, and I was in Shanghai. And we I came up with a kind of the idea for the company, and then he knew about this technology that was sitting on the shelf at this research institute in Chicago. So that's how we kind of got it started. But we. I guess essentially to answer your question, we started the company in in China. What we said to this research institute in Chicago was like, can we just get a license for the technology in China? And then we grew the business from there. We started with a China license and then, because they had like, it was just, it was a lab, it was lab scale, right? They hadn't really taken it out of the lab and done anything with it. Um, But we're like, we didn't think that was a big ask. We're like, just kind of, because you're not doing anything in China anyway. So why don't you just let us, uh, give us a license for China, and you know, if and let's see if we can run with this, and um, and then we expanded it to a worldwide license, and then we ended up, we ended up basically taking over the technology and kind of like put a bunch of new patents around it because when you when you take something out of a lab and you put it in a real world environment, you learn a lot. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, it changes dynamics, changes. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So. Um, and now I've lost track of your question. What was your question? No, I really wanted. I wanted to. It, it, we were get, getting up to the question. I wanted to understand the business aspect of just doing business in China mm. because I know it's very. I know some people that I talk to when they're doing business in China, they have to actually have somebody that's Chinese that's that's with them that owns a certain portion of the company because the country won't let them. So I just wanted you to um, help our our listeners understand the dynamics of just doing business internationally. Yeah. Um, China is a difficult place to do business. And I think it's difficult. It's a difficult place to do business language. Um, sure. Uh, but I think, and I, and I, I want to be careful because it's like, I, I have tons of respect for so many things in Chinese culture. And I think like, I have tons of respect for the folks in in Hong Kong and Taiwan, so I don't want to like lump everybody together. Honest then. Uh, but you know, I do think with the Cultural Revolution in China that um, it really messed some people up, and mm. and I think for and I, and again, I don't want to generalize too much, but I think. Um, kind of our ethical standards are not shared by a lot of people on in mainland China. And, um, and so that's difficult uh, because, you know, I think as Americans and I think, you know, and not just Americans, but a lot of us, we come, I think our attitude is we meet somebody and it's like, I'm going to trust you until you give me a reason not to. And in China, it's like, I don't trust you until you, you can prove to me to. that you're t- that you're trustworthy. trustworthy. So there's yeah. this whole like issue around trust and honesty that's kind of like wears on you day after day after day. Um, so that's <laughs> that's that's part of it. Um, there's no very little respect for intellectual property, and then you have to remember that you know kids who were educated in the Chinese system have been taught. Uh, since the 50s that the the you know the, the west has exploited them that they are victims that we have wronged them mm-hmm. um they don't teach the part where china colonized vietnam for a thousand years or korea they <laughs> skip over all that in tibet and yeah, 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 yeah. xinjiang whatever Come on, yeah. advantage, i don't man. want sorry i don't yeah. want to get on my um but yeah but there's a lot of kind of uh, the Chinese kind of respect us and hate us at the same time. But when that hate comes out, it's it's hard. It's hard to be around people who kind of like suspect you. And um, <laughs> and with that said, I had some real I have some really good Chinese friends. So I, I again, I don't yeah. want to lump everyone together. But yeah, it does wear on you after a while. Just kind of like um, the different kind of moral standards and things like that, which is it's a little hard to get used to. And I was ready to go. I was there for, for what's 
17 years. Uh, 17 years, but I was ready to go after about year 10. So last year, I'm done with those. <laughs> wow, wow. So in that process of, um, and this is what really got me excited, just licensing the technology, reaching out to the university saying, hey, or, you know, uh, I'm going to license this technology. Um, I worked with a lot of professors at um, a university and for a few years, that's what I focused on, mm. helping them commercialize their research, right? Right. Yep. Um, lab to market type of ordeal. Right. Um, when, when you went through, when you gone through that process, um, you mentioned that you had a partner that you said was super intelligent, but where, with the background that you had in political science and uh, history, you know, I know you got, you were at Imran for some time, but share with us just the capabilities that you had to possess in order to be able to identify something and then walk through that process of extracting, get, getting the license, understanding what to do in that, uh, starting the business, you know, this, that whole journey, which mm. is completely different from what your studies were. And it may have been more associated to what you were learning in Imran, but share with our listeners what that process looked like uh, for you and how you kind of grew and adapted in that learning process. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think they like in, in, in terms of my education, you know, because I had a history and poli sci background, I, I ended up going to law school. Um, and to be honest with you, I think like a law, like training in law is better than getting an MBA. Um, so I'm probably going to piss mm. people off out there, but um, I think there's like tons of practical aspects for business if you're a lawyer or you've been trained in the law um, versus, and I had like one of my roommates when I was in law school was in the business school. So I saw all the stuff that he was doing and I know a lot of MBAs and stuff like that. So I'm not trying to hate on MBAs, but I just think there's, um, there's tons of like just great stuff that you learn in law school that's applicable to the business world. So um, when I was at Enron, I was developing large infrastructure, mostly power projects. And when you're doing those kinds of things, what you're doing is basically gluing together 20, 30, 40, 50 contracts. So that's what it is. You're going to build a power plant, right? But you need to yeah, so you know, you need a full fuel supply agreement. You have all these kind of government permits you need to go through. You need you need to get land. You need a construction contract. You need to hire people. You need to do all this stuff. So it's just like you know, you need finance. You need finance agreements, and there's like just you know, going and getting like a fifty or hundred million dollar loan. Well, there's a lot of paperwork involved in, in, the, in those kinds of things. So, uh, and then you have to negotiate the the you know the the power purchase agreement and stuff like that. So. With that law background, I could sit at the negotiate, negotiate, negotiating table and, and negotiate the contract. And I didn't need anybody, I didn't need anybody sitting along sitting next to me doing that. So, mm. you know, it's like I could move a lot faster than other developers because I was like, I knew, you know, I just knew the ins and the outs of contracts and stuff like that. So yeah. um, I do think that was good training. Um, so um I think that's very practical business kind of training for. Um, what we were getting into. And then, you know, then my partner, my, um, you know, my, my co-founder had the technical background. So I had, a, you know, I had a lot of, from my law training, but also from working for what, six or seven years in infrastructure and putting together big deals. I had all the commercial knowledge I think I needed to kind of start a company. And then I had to, you know, my co-founder with the technical, kind of the technical side of the business that I didn't have. Hey, you're listening to the Success Journey Show. Just a reminder, follow us on our social media at the Success Journey Show on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Also, you can check us out on our website at thesuccessjourneyshow.com. Enjoy the rest of the show. Love it. <clears throat> I love that answer, man. I'm, I'm so glad you, you, you painted it that way. Um, because without the lawyers, even working in the departments that I was in, nothing, I mean, they yeah. controlled and helped facilitate so much Everything, uh, yeah. through that process with, uh, of course, negotiating deals, understanding the IPs, you know, like we said, hey, we let's do a, 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 a China, you know, focus on China. Like, 
just knowing the the different international rules and mm. regulations and knowing what documents and paper. I'm not. A, I am not a, a paper policy. Per, I, I can <laughs> get into it if I have to be forced, but I do not like playing in deep in the contracts and the papers yeah. and stuff. Yeah. But yeah. um, it's a special, special tech skill, uh, yeah. gift and skill that individuals like yourself have that really the acquisition man. Yeah. Can, can, can I contradict myself for a second? Because I mean, I think um, in business, I think lawyers can be a huge hindrance and they can kill deals. Yes, they can. Most, you know, lawyers yeah. and accountants this are kind of priority. enemies of getting deals done because they're always like, well, you can't do that. You can't do that. So I think one of the, probably one of the things I didn't articulate very well is because I had a law background, I could push back a lot harder than other people. Mm. Um, because they will, if you let them, yes. they will ruin your deal real quick. Because they're going to not. It's like what I learned early on is like when you're negotiating a deal, you only really need two or three key things, and the rest is all noise. Um, yeah. And if you let the lawyers run it, they need a hundred things, and like you're not going to get most of those. So, <laughs> and it's job security for them. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think they mean well, and like they think they really need those things, but come on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, in the world of entrepreneur, I'm, I love that we're talking like this. And hey, listen, there's some people that's listening to this right now. And they're like, okay, what are they talking about? Why are they giggling and laughing about the oh, uh, a lawyer and stuff like that? In the world of entrepreneur, if you're a true entrepreneur, like you were saying before, those highs and lows, even though you go to some of those lows, and I'll tell you, I've been to some low <laughs> here lately. There's some stuff that's been happening, you know, especially with the anyway. So. You 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 go through it, but you're like entrepreneurs are fighters mm-hmm. naturally. We're just fighters, and we and we know how to fight out. And we and we and we're like, you know what? I can get out of X by implementing this and this and this and this and this. And then you start putting a plan together to remove yourself from where you are to wherever you need to be, mm-hmm. and. I see that you said you left the company. I want I want you to explain to our listeners when you said, hey, I was with this company for 10 years. I left this company. Then I still had this other startup. And then I moved from the executive board and I moved to just being, I moved from being an executive just to be a, one of the board members or whatever the situation is. Mm-hmm. What kind of residual does that pay for you? How does it work in the form of, uh, 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 of cash flow for you and everything like that when you move from those different, uh, a, a tears um, within a business operator to a mm. yeah yeah well I, for, I mean the first in the, my first startup uh, because we listed it you know on the Nasdaq and I had a significant amount of shares I was able. Can you talk over, about that? Can you talk about just listing a company on the Nasdaq because that right there within itself is crazy. Um, <laughs> who do you want to? Uh, <laughs> it's it's uh, it's hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, we just, uh, I mean, I think we were the kind of company, we were in the right place at the right time. Um, and I do think there's a significant amount of luck. You you know, you know, you, we can pat ourselves on the back all day, but I mean, I think there there is like in those kinds of things, there is a lot of luck involved. Um, and I think that's true for Mark Zuckerberg on down. I mean, I think it's like, we've all had the one little thing changed, you know, been a little bit different. We might not be where, where you are, where correct. we are today, right? So um, we were building a really big business because um, the kind of things we were doing, basically converting coal into fuels and things like that, is like you're talking about a small project being, you know, fifty or hundred million dollars, and you know, easily five hundred million dollar projects, right? So that attracts investors. It was new energy. It was clean energy. Um, and then we, when we listed. On the NASDAQ, um, oil was, if I'm remembering correctly, about $120 a barrel, which is probably, mm. you know, equivalent to about 150 bucks today with inflation, right? Um, so everyone was looking for kind of alternative fuel sources at that time. So we just kind of listed at the right time. Um, and we had, you know, had some success. We had built up, we had taken something from kind of a pilot scale up to like a commercial plant and it wasn't running perfectly, but we had proved to investors we could build something, make it run, and that we probably had the lowest operating costs in the business. And, um, you know, I kind of was 
saying that, uh, you know, I was complaining a little bit about my stint at BHB Billiton, a large mining company. But the thing I learned, I took from took away from that business is if you're going to be in commodities, you want to be the lowest cost producer in the business. Yes, and that's, that's our technology allowed us to be the lowest cost producer in the business and investors like that. Yes, 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 yes. Now, and you went the traditional route to, to, to list your company on the NASDAQ, right? Absolutely not. We, uh, <laughs> I think it was uh, JP Morgan and, and Deutsche Bank that took us public. And um, I remember the like one of the first meetings with them, they said, you guys are kind of scrappy because <laughs> we did not go the traditional route. Uh, and um, I mean, boy, I could, I could go on for hours just about kind of like how we got there. But, um, you know, it started the company and we got the license and kind of had our first deal in hand, but like had raised almost no money. And I brought a chairman, I brought a chairman in who had a lot of business experience, a lot of connections. Um, and I I will say that um, it was a little bit of a difficult relationship for a long time, but he, I, mean, I have to give him credit. He brought in one of our first major investors um, and um, we did like a reverse merger onto a pink sheet company, if you know what that is, but it's basically a penny stock. So we were like penny public stocks. very early on, right? Yeah. Uh, and this is not the most kosher way to do anything. It was all legal and everything. So I'm not saying that. It's just like, um, you know, Wall Street typically frowns on those kinds of Probably, things. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we traded and we raised some money through that process and, um that was kind of what laid the foundation for us being able to list on the NASDAQ because we had traded for a while on this funny stock thing and got more and more investors. And, you know, there are some, some requirements to be on the NASDAQ. You've got to have a certain amount of investors and stuff like that. So, um, but it's not the conventional way to go at all, right? So most companies who list on NASDAQ have like, you know, hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars in revenues and have yeah. huge client bases. That was not us. I mean, we may have had twenty or thirty million dollars in revenue when we, you know, when we listed on the Nasdaq, and we didn't, you know, we had a big pipeline of projects behind going. But um, let me just say, it was not the traditional way. We were scrappy. <laughs> it, it's crazy. <laughs> Listen to what you're saying, right? And you're saying revenue small of twenty to thirty million, right? We, we, you have somebody right now that's listening that's saying. I had a revenue of twenty to thirty million dollars, right? <laughs> I didn't say right? profits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. That's true too. But but they were saying, and then you're saying in comparison to other companies who was five hundred, one bit that's listening. Yeah. It, it, it's a different game you're playing in that arena. That arena is very different than just hey, I'm out here. And I'm trying to have a company and trying to say, hey, my company's doing good. It's mm -hmm. a lot different in that arena. And just hearing you talk about it, it just, like Ricky said, the hero of my arms is standing because those are the kind of things I, 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 I live for. But hey, Rick, I don't want to hog everything. I know you have no, some No, questions. no, no, you're good, man. No, I love the direction we're going in because, um, you know, one one question I was, I was thinking about as you were looking at, oh, even shifting to what you're doing now, which you, and you shared a little bit of it, you know, you know, in the beginning of the, in, in the intro, um, it's a lot different than what you were doing and the success you saw in those different areas. And, you know, to be able to now apply all those skills or just knowledge base or even just desire, I would say really, mm -hmm. you know, into this new space, um, what, what is one thing that kind of just excited you about it, but at the same time, um, uh, made you nervous about it? About what, I, what, what I'm doing now, you mean? Yeah. What you're doing um, now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was, um, uh, maybe, maybe a theme I'm, I'm that's starting to emerge is that maybe I don't do anything with a bit of angst. So. <laughs> a bit of guilt. That was part of the thought process here too. There was a bit of guilt and a bit of angst about what I'm doing right now because, um, you know, what I do is I go to nice hotels and I film them and I talk about them and um, and I thought it was going to be easy. And anybody can start a YouTube channel. That's true. That. But making one successful and entertaining and something that people want to watch, that's a whole different ballgame. Different story. So much harder than I thought it was going to be. I'm putting in 
I can't tell you. I mean, really, really long hours. Um, and I'm enjoying it, um, but that's not really answering your question. So when I was thinking about leaving you know, my last startup and starting something different, like I said, I felt kind of bad about it, but I was like, finally, you know, you know, I, I shared the story about kind of realizing that I'm a zero to one guy and, and being okay with that. But I still was like, if I'm going to start something new, um, I want it to mean something in the world. And I want it to be, so I, I was toying with a lot of, you know, my, my background, both in, you know, in, in home building and in the energy space with around, was around sustainability. Um, so I would like to do good in the world and I would like to, um, you know, help people or help the planet. <laughs> and I kind of felt like what I'm doing right now felt, it feels really selfish to be honest with you. Cause it's like, this is what I really like. This is where my passion is. And this is what I really want to do. Um, but I'm like, am I really helping the world that much? I don't know. <laughs> I can talk about sustainability at hotels and stuff like that. And I do. And I talk about sustainable travel and I do try to rate the hotels on their level of sustainability, but come on, that's not what it's really about. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like how to pack um, light, right? So, um, <laughs> yeah. So it, it was, you know, uh, everything else I was thinking about doing next was more like it was either had a social justice purpose or some environmental purpose. And this was the one thing that I was like, no, this is not social justice. This is not mm. anything to help the environment, but screw it. I'm going to be do. I'm going to do what I want to do. And I did spend two years trying to build something in a nonprofit space that totally fell on its face. Yeah. So I've been down that road too. Uh, yeah. 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 You know, so one, one thing I had to say, I had to say this, um, or bring this to light. Cause I know a lot of our travelers and listeners as they're, as we're talking about your journey, one underlying theme that has not really surfaced is the need for capital or mm. personal capital, not right. outside of what the business is raising funds for the organizations or the business or investors and things of that nature. But even right now you're saying, Hey, I'm, I'm doing a, a YouTube channel and it's, yeah, it's though it may be difficult for you to build one up and build traction. Like it is for many people. You also have that kid that's just getting out of high school. It's like, hey, I'm going to build a YouTube channel. And it's like, it's totally different, totally different worlds here, man. Like um, I can actually focus on building on one. You need to go focus on something else. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, just, just talk about how is financially in your, in your life, just, kind of what your 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 thought process was of you know what you want to be able to do to make to sustain yourself to build yourself up to build up what you have to support you your family things of that nature um and i know you you you, you know you're not alone right you say you and your partner so you know a lot of conversations had to be had about you know not just transitions but the finances that that associated with all of that kind of stuff mm. so can you share give us some light on that aspect of your journey yeah, well, I, I probably have a two-part answer to that because I think I, I think I understand what you're getting at. I think um, I'm, you know, I, I I did well enough off of my first company that, to be honest with you, I don't have to work. Um, I do it because <laughs> I want to do it. Um, and, but you know, but starting that first company, that that was a risk because I. Yes. You know, I don't, I don't come from money. I, you know, had divorced parents and, um, you know, it's like things weren't that easy for me in high school. And, you know, it was, um, I don't come from, I don't come from wealth and I don't come from, you know, privilege, I, some privilege, I guess, definitely some, definitely some privilege. I shouldn't say I don't come from any privilege. Um, but, you know, I'd like had, I graduated with student debt and, you know, so I had to work really hard to kind of pay off that debt and, and do things like that. So I guess for my first venture, there was a fair amount of risk involved, but I had also worked in the corporate world for a while and I built up some savings. I paid off my student loans and I, uh, my partner at that time was a lawyer with really good job so uh, <laughs> that helped um, yeah, yeah, yeah. but i did take I, de I definitely took some risks then but like what i've done since then i would say not that risky because I, it's like i kind of got lucky in my first venture and was able to to you know yeah. put some cash in my pocket and kind of do what i wanted to do that's why i went to architecture school 
Um, yeah. That's, that's yeah. what I really yeah. want to do. You know? and, uh, I don't know who else in their 40 is going to go to architecture <laughs> school. Yeah, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> don't go back to school in your 40s period if you can help it. <laughs> oh, man. And, you know, that seems to be a trend. A lot of times, and I told my son this, and he's, what's funny, he's going to edit this, so he's going to hear it. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of people, they, 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 at 20, they're like, oh, I got time, right? And then by the time you look down and you look up, you're 30. <laughs> Between 30 to 35, everybody always thinks the cure to the procrastination that they had, that they were, that they, that they were the, or the procrastinating state that they were in is to go back to school. Right. <laughs> so at 35, 40, they find themselves in a night class or whatever kind of class it is. And like you said, at 41, they're like, man, this ain't it. Right. And then you have 20, 22 year old teaching assistants telling you you're dumb and you're like, fuck off. I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. Right. Sorry. But I don't know if you need to edit that out. Uh, uh, telling yeah you just have like some people that are just like poke you in the eye just because they like to poke people in the eye and yeah, that's yeah, yeah. what they think they should do so um yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah don't do it uh, now i'm talking about this um growing a youtube channel so ricky and i during the pandemic um we were strictly audio before mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right during the pandemic we noticed that everything became more visual because people were watching you know they're, they're just intaking more visual Netflix, everything, right? Yeah. So we decided to do a YouTube channel. So I would think, like, we're thinking, just like, just like you said, us on on this side, we're like, man, we're doing something for the society. We're doing, we're showing them the journey of people, the resilience, the hard, oh man, the hard knocks it takes to get a company together. And we're we're in it, and we're on mm -hmm. the phone every night, and we're talking about it. Oh man, this is gonna be great for people. <laughs> and then you have our channel. And then you have a pimple popping channel. <laughs> is that a thing? It is. Oh man! And there's a pimple popping <laughs> channel that have like a million something views, sometimes three million, on one of their pimple popping. That no lie, so I'm not even so, making that it, is not... so depressing. <laughs> <laughs> what do do you have a team that you say okay, a we're gonna try to figure out the algorithms or do you have a team that's that 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 you say, okay, okay, just like you said, you brought in that guy with a love-hate relationship, the guy that helped your company grow. Mm. Um, do you bring in a guy that says, hey, I know social media. I know how to grow this thing. What's your approach when it comes to that portion of it, of the marketing side of social media? Yeah, I mean, I just kind of, uh, I mean, it's, I had zero, and this is scary actually, to like go and start a YouTube channel is kind of scary because you're really putting yourself out there. Yeah. I'd never been on camera before. Yeah. I'd never picked up a camera before. I'd never, I mean, this was completely new to yeah. me. Yeah. Um, so I just want to like kind of put that out there that this is like, um, you know, I didn't know what I was doing and I made some really bad videos to start with. And I think, you know, going back to my point about you need to be a little bit naive when you start something new because uh, you don't realize how hard it is. So yeah. um, I have been and, and, it's, and it's hard because it's I've never been in this space, but it's also I'm trying to learn like 10 things at once. So yes. it's, it's videography, it's editing, it's, um, you know, it's it's writing a script. It's like being on camera. It's learning how to operate a camera, how to fly a drone. And I'm just touching the and then learning YouTube and the algorithm yeah. and the yeah. analytics. And oh, and by the way, we need to put a website together. Oh, and by the way, we need to be on TikTok and Instagram and <laughs> Pinterest. Right. And so we're on all those platforms. It's a lot. Yes. <laughs> it's a lot all at once when you and it's like, to be honest with you guys, I had never paid attention to social media before this day. I watched some stuff on YouTube. Like if my I wanted to fix my tire brakes on my bike, I'd go watch YouTube. Yeah. But otherwise, I didn't really look at Instagram or TikTok and stuff like that. So um, it's a completely new world for me. Um, but I do have an editor um, who's great. And he's in South Africa and just like a wonderful, just like, and maybe that's a little bit of a tip is like, I think you can find some really great talent outside the United States. So, yeah. um, and then I, my, my virtual assistant is um, 
from Albania, but she lives, she's a, you know, a digital nomad and like just lives all mm-hmm. over Asia. Um, so she's great. You know, so I put together this team of people that can help Rock me. Um, and, and it, you know, it's a little bit of trial and error too. I heard, I, I heard some, some, you know, uh, freelancers who not so great, but I did find some really good people um, to help me. So I do have some help uh, to yes. answer your question. And then um, I'm learning it by taking a couple courses here or there, online courses and stuff like that. So I'm learning more yeah. and more. And it's just like, I think you gotta get out there and do it. And then, um, you know, some people in the YouTube space, you, got, you they say you've got to make a hundred videos and the first hundred videos are going to suck and you'll get better and better as you go. Yeah, so yeah, I've got yeah. 50, 60 videos now. So hopefully I'm getting better. I think, I think they're getting better, but gosh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you know what? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to say how, how I say this, Don, and it's not towards you, it's towards our travelers and our, our listeners. You know, I, I think we're going to, I think we may pivot, you know, and, and mm. it goes to our beginning of conversation we had uh, right before we brought Don on where Don has been, and we, and Marlon, we talk about this after a lot of our shows where so many people try to make a life on social media and mm. feel that's going to drive them to become that millionaire. Mm. drive them to have a life that's going to provide for them. And granted, some people have, you know, it has been some that have been very successful on there, but I am still of the belief that majority of the people in the world that have done amazing things, have done a huge impact, have set themselves up, their families up, have done it off of social media platforms. And it's things that have been done in the dark where mm. they're working hard, they're grinding, their head is down, they're focused, they're making an impact where they are. They're not worried about posting every little thing that they're doing and seeing if someone likes what they're doing and getting an affirmation from them. No, it's mm. about really just getting, putting their head down. And, and could we interview so many people like yourself, Don, that, you know, the same similar stories like hey i just had a uh, i just had an idea of idea to really uh build out it was either helping people or just an idea to help be put out into the world and i just dug deep into it and now that i've made it and everything has gone well now i'm trying to go on instagram and i'm, I'm trying to figure out over there i'm just like <laughs> why <laughs> point, right? it's super hard it is yeah. super hard it is i mean there's so much noise out there and how do you break through that noise and even yeah. if you're super talented and have a great idea there are no guarantees at all that you're going to be successful correct you know and and there's you know like we said before there's a little it's a lot of luck involved in some of this stuff so yeah, yeah. don imagine imagine right now you were you had to use the money that you were generating from youtube to feed your family mm. <laughs> can i just Don, I, Don said, mm. <laughs> I can feed them for a week too maybe <laughs> it, it is so it is so ricky 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 this pivot that ricky uh, i went to so we under we understand that social media is needed just in case important like with your new business you're trying to show people you know, to rate the different um, hotels you go to. But at the same time, what are people really interested? Somebody might be saying, and there are people that out there that's like, listen, I really need to know what a hotel looks like. I want to know what Big Bear, da-da-da-da, looks like before I get there. Mm. But, and you'll hear that in passing, but then you're looking at your channel and you're like, why I only have 53 views? Because <laughs> <laughs> people don't know I'm out there. That's it. I mean, it's a discovery it's, problem. It's yeah. a, yeah. Yes. I mean, it's I'm a, convinced that this is a great resource for a lot of people. It's like, because yes. um, yes, there's, it is. you know, but if no one knows you're out there, it's not a great resource. It's not yeah. a great resource. So that, that, that marketing. <laughs> that's, we're, we're, that's the hard part. I mean, how do you break through? Yes. It's right. super hard. It yep. takes a long time and don't go on YouTube and think you're going to like Kill have a million followers next year or the year after it takes for most, for almost all YouTubers takes years. 
Yeah. Yes. You know, TikTok yeah. maybe yeah. is a different story. I mean, you can have more yeah. you know, instant fame, but I don't think it's very valuable or, or very sustainable. sustainable either. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, YouTube's a hard platform. Yeah, it's a very hard platform. People don't know a lot of the people that are on there were there before mm-hmm. and they have got their followers through or they connected. Some people are paying for followers. Some people are, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a, it's a world out there that is really, is different. Yep. Yep. And, and you have to remember some of the biggest YouTubers, they actually had some media background before they got into it. So Correct. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, Don, uh, share with us your YouTube page again and insight. Um, yeah, so, that so our, the, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. You're, you're right on it. Oh, uh, yeah. The, so the, the, the website is uh, swankguide.com, S W A N K G U I D E.com, just like it sounds. And yeah. then the uh, YouTube channel is just go to YouTube and, and type in swank guide. And that's, it's it. that easy. And, and, and tell that us uh, maybe two of the most favorite places that you've gone to that you were most excited about. Uh, recording and releasing those videos. Yeah, well, I yeah. love Tulum. I don't know if you guys have been to Tulum. I haven't gone yet. I was supposed to go this summer. Yeah, Tulum is a hot. It was a hot spot during the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's still a hot spot. And it's like the reason I, I appreciate Tulum so much is because that this is a, like a long white sand beach. It really is an idyllic beach, but there's like no huge resorts there. It's all kind of like little boutiquey kind of places, and some of the best design I've seen in the world. So just okay. fantastic design up and down the beaches. There's some great, there's like uh, some really crappy hotels too, but I I um, found some really great hotels there. They just were really fun to be at and really exciting. So Tulum for sure. Um, and one of the, I, maybe the other place um, that I think I'm going to go to next year that I've been to, but it's not on my YouTube channel yet is Tokyo. I've always loved Japan and Tokyo. And I think yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm yeah. going to Bali soon, and Bali is one of my all-time favorites. This will be my fifth time in Bali, which is wow. Great. Um, wow. and I don't need to go to Bali again four times is enough, but I'm like, some of the best hotels in the world are in Bali, and it's like I gotta go. You gotta go. That's, you gotta record it. You gotta get the content. <laughs> Just so the I heard, and this is what I heard: the the hotels in Bali is not expensive. It's the it's the flight to there's getting to Bali. Yeah, expensive. yeah, they're getting more expensive though. I think uh, travel is coming back, but yeah, I think I think um, relatively speaking, you're right. The, the hotels in Bali are, are 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 pretty cheap compared to, but and I think that's true for Asia too. It's like a good time to travel in Asia with China still locked down over COVID because um, so many of the travelers in Asia come from China. So. Um, yeah, that that stuff will go away in the next year or two. I mean, China can't stay on zero COVID forever. I don't think, right. <laughs> but maybe yeah, they will. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and people, you, and and you're saying so. What what makes Dom so so? Uh, 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 um, why should we listen to him? Going, he you've been to sixty different countries. Uh, yeah, that's that's about right. Yep. Yeah, sixty different countries. So we're not we're not talking to somebody that just only went to a couple and, and, and basing it off for vacation. <laughs> you were, we're talking about, <laughs> we're talking to somebody that went to 60 different countries. Yeah. I know some people, you can't have a name 60 countries, yeah. but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, living in Asia, I mean, I've, I've been to almost every Asian country and it's like some of the best resorts in the world um, are in Asia. And it's like one of my you think better than UAE. You think better than the UAE? Ooh, I've never, I've only been to Dubai. Um, okay. So, and there are some great hotels in Dubai, but I can't say that I know the Middle East very well. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah, maybe we go together, man. I love to record some of Hey, you need another cameraman? What's yeah, you need another cameraman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah. I really do, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I love it. Man, listen, Don, man, this has been great. You know, I, I really appreciate you just spending some time with us just sharing your journey um one question we've, we we haven't asked a question in a couple of weeks and i felt this press to ask you um just because of the different experiences that you've had uh over your life if you knowing what you know now um as don all the experiences the um the ups and downs and everything uh and you can go back to that don that was you know, graduating right before he went to law school and has 60 seconds to talk to him, like pull him aside. Like, what would you say to him? Man, that is a hard question because I, (laughs) 
I'm not sure. To be honest with you, I don't think I'd change anything. Um, oh. And it, 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 I've done some some things that have been really hard and like hard for me personally and gone through, you know, a fair amount of pain and angst. Cause like, you know, we've all been down the entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial road and we know how hard it is, but it, you know, it's like, I'm happy with where I am. So I guess I wouldn't really fundamentally change anything about kind of what I've done in my career. Yeah. I like that. I'd maybe do, hmm, I mean, I would change some things. I, 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 but then it would kind of, I wouldn't be where I am right now. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy with where I am. So um, I've just learned a lot from kind of from the journey. Um, maybe, you know, we haven't really talked about it. I, I did spend a couple of years in the nonprofit world trying to get a, a startup in the nonprofit world off the ground. And that is, yeah. that was really hard. And I didn't get anywhere. And I thought the nonprofit world would be full of these kind of really nice people. <laughs> and I yeah. was shocked. And like, I couldn't couldn't believe how cynical so many people were in the nonprofit space and how bureaucratic it is. And I was like, really, we're not going to change the world. This is the way you guys act. Yeah. So anyway, I, I, uh, maybe that's one thing I would do differently is just not waste. You know, it's, I, I think through, so, I think so social entrepreneurship is probably more powerful than a lot of things you can do in the nonprofit world. Yeah. 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 And for people that were, um, when you, when you were talking about the um, nonprofit world, you were doing, you started a nonprofit focused on providing opportunities for refugees. Yep. So, so, you know, and we all know how important that is. So it, it, if you see somebody fighting two years, that was at Enron mm. <laughs> and two years, not that nonprofit wore them out, you know, that it was, it was a fight. It was yeah. a fight. I like your answer, Don, because um, back to the future. I don't know if you, you know, uh, you uh, it's it. been a minute since I've seen it, but Pat Flynn, who is like one of my gurus and I listen to his podcast, I think he's really good around, you know, um, kind of social media stuff and podcasts and stuff like that. Anyway, that's his yeah. favorite movie. Yeah. 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 <laughs> because if you, if you, sometimes if you change something in your past, it definitely alters your, your um, where you are today. So yeah, that's yep. if you're comfortable with you at where you're at today. Sometimes it's better just to leave the yeah. past out. None of it comes easy, but I, yeah, like I said, I wouldn't, wouldn't have my partner or my kids and kind of, yeah, I feel really blessed. That's the two back there, right? Uh, the, yeah. Can you see them back there? Yep. Yeah. 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 Yep. yeah, yeah. <laughs> love it. Love it, man. Well, Don, man, we really appreciate you um, and wish you much success. I, my wife and I want to travel to Tulum. I'm, I'm hoping we can make that within, within the next 12 months. So, I will be checking out your video to Do make it. sure that um, I know what I'm getting into down there. Uh, I, I actually saw one, a couple, I was watching like these three or four videos over the summer, uh, no, early spring when we were really planning to go out there. So definitely got to check out yours and um, all the other uh, videos that you have out there. But really just want to appreciate for what you've done, what you're doing, and also just jumping on this show and sharing with our guests and to all of our travelers and listeners around the world that have tuned in with us this week we're just so grateful for you guys as well um and we will be back week back next week at the same time the same place on the success journey show everyone have a good one peace all right one up peace thank you you've been listening to the success journey show where your dreams drive determination and diligence are the foundation to success for more information check out the success journey show.com the Journey Squad is here helping you to your destination.